welcome to the Learning the Ropes podcast. I believe this is episode five. Today we have Frostbeard with us. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are? Uh, sure, thanks, Baraka. So uh, my name is Frostbeard. I am GM of Houston Bulls. I've been on the site for, well, now it's actually close to a year. On, I think, February 24th, I'm going to be here for a year and have been a GM since season 66. Nice. So almost here a year. Are you going to do anything for your one-year celebration? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to throw a big party for nobody except <laughs> myself, you know, and it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you said before we started recording that this is the first non-North American podcast um, that I've done. So, you know, that's always a bit of a celebration. We could do another one of these. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, no, people are going to have trouble, you know, uh, trying to understand where, you know, what kind of <laughs> accents we have and, and what are we actually speaking about. Yeah. yeah. Fun. Um, so you became the GM of Houston Bulls in season 66, did you say? Yes, indeed. And how did that come along? I believe you weren't an AGM before that. You just got straight into the GM role? Well, the basically the the... The easy story to explain is this, that uh, I always wanted to be an AGM before becoming the GM. Because I had this uh, this small fear of being an extremely uh, bad at doing lines, trades, and you know, understanding the values of players in the league at that time. And uh, there was this big expansion of three teams. I think it was San Diego, Mississauga, and uh, Mexico City. All three teams at the same time expanding. And... Uh, uh, there was a three GM openings, and I, at that time, my GM in uh, in Philadelphia, Blade, actually asked me and said, "Hey, maybe you want to go for those." And I strictly said no. <laughs> I quite, I quite adamantly said, "No, I'm not going to do it. I want to be an AGM before." And uh, I think like two weeks passed, and uh, the GM opening for Houston Bulls happened. As I, Sonny, I think, uh, we just was not able to continue his GM. Uh, uh, GM job, and uh, and I had to I had to decide whether or not I want to be an AGM or GM. And uh, at that time, Blade just kind of pushed me and said, "No, you're gonna do it." So I went into the place, applied, and got the job. So yeah, without having any experience. And at this moment, I think that the like first two weeks of it were quite rough for me because I had to really learn everything from a scratch. But uh, after I got into the groove, I it's been awesome since then. Do you think it helped almost you came in, you know, essentially the same time as San Diego, the Hounds and um, Mexico? Do you think that helped where it's sort of, it was all sort of fresh faces around the league? You weren't just the only new guy? I I think it was, I think it was easier because uh, I didn't have this uh, pressure from a lot of older GMs that had a lot more experience. I thought that, uh, I thought that with, uh, with so many new teams, I had, uh, I had some uh, some chances of making mistakes and not actually getting punished by them uh, for them, and uh, you know it's it's as I said it's it's been it's been great because the people I've been uh, having to work with uh, as a GMs they've all been you know the same kind of a line we've all been uh, GMs for the same amount of time well except those two weeks but you know that's that's not that much time so yeah. Yeah, so coming straight in as a GM, what do you think, what strengths did you have 
coming in was you know locker room presence. I'm you know I'm assuming you were a big presence in the Philly locker room, and that's why Blade pushed you forward. Yeah, well, I was I was trying to be as active as I can be because uh, when I joined the league, the VHL itself, I I had this uh, idea of oh, I'm going to do welfare and nothing much, just see my player grow. But the league kind of grew on me, and uh, I really really enjoyed every bit of it. So uh, writing content, answering press, uh, you know, questions, and 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 everything I could do, I wanted to do, and. Uh, in, in being in a locker room was one of the important parts of it, you know, one of the important aspects to be active and to engage with other people. And uh, so I think that, uh, I think it helped to, to be a, well, uh, I think I'm a decent GM. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> nice. So what do you think, do you have any weaknesses as a GM? Or were there any weaknesses you had at the beginning that you sort of worked out over these past three seasons? Or four seasons, sorry. Definitely, yes. Uh, I I very well know that I've never had really issues with lines. I think that I've understood the SDHS gods quite well. But uh, <laughs> but what I had big issues with was uh, was trading because uh, there were a lot of when I when I joined there were a lot of questions about what is the market value of a certain place. So uh, uh, when I was left the team after Sony, there wasn't really well, there were some players that you could say that there were the top-level talent that you could use, but at the same time, I knew that I don't want to compete in the first season, so I wanted to sell off players, and I had this I had this really big trouble of understanding, well, how much can I ask for a player that's capped? And uh, there were trades that said, well, some, some players are paying them for, you know, a first-round pick. Sometimes you get, see, uh, a first, you know, a third on a fourth and something like that. So it was a lot of this... Uh, discussion around well how much can i really pay for it? how much can i really get back and uh it was a big and basically that actually leads to one of my biggest mistakes was that uh when uh well when in i think it was season 67 draft when uh when uh when razor and uh, minnesota traded you know a, a lot and uh, basically in the draft i made a very very lopsided trade so I still kind of resent myself on that. So talking to, um, you're the fifth person I've talked to now. I've gone through Acid Burn, D-Max, Razor, Mexican Cow this morning, and now you. And I believe everyone but Razor has said their first mistake was trading with Razor. So I think we're sort of finding a pattern here that um, make sure you know what you want and what your worth is before going into a trade with Razor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I had trades previously, you know, I traded with Peace, I think I traded with, uh, uh, I think I traded with uh, Nico and, uh, and, and, and uh, I think with IR. And we had, a, I had a good run with those trades. And then the season 67 draft uh, went and uh, I understood that I needed to grab two players in the third round. They were previously on my team. I knew that they're great locker room guys and I wanted them on my team. And uh, I ended up giving up a second a third, and I think it was a four and a fifth for those two uh, third rounders. And that was a huge overpay for what it was. I remember that uh, WHL MGM chat was, uh, was, was having a lot of uh, WTFs everywhere about that <laughs> trade. So I, at that time, I understood that it was... But again, you know, I'm going to say the draft happened at like 3.30 a.m. for me. 
And uh, I can say that, you know, I didn't really sleep a lot that night. So maybe it was my exhaustion that helped uh, raise it in that sense. So, yeah, I'm not putting all the blame on myself, right? (laughs) I think um, Yumi and Elm should get together before the next draft to make sure we find a time that suits us and not them. Because it's always, it always suits them. It's always, you know, nice time at night for them. And it's, you know, early morning for you and Elm and halfway through my work day, usually when the drafts are going on. So we might need to do a bit of an uprising and try and get a better time for the three of us. Definitely, definitely. Because, you know, <laughs> I've been, and you know, again, I've been on every single draft and I haven't, uh, I haven't missed any. I've done uh, all my picks at the, you know, the time it was necessary to, to be. And uh, the last two drafts were at like 4.30 and 3.30 for me. And it's, it's a bit, it, it can be a bit rough. If it's like Friday, I don't care because, you know, I can I can manage it, but if uh, we have it on Sunday and and stuff like that, it's 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 a bit tougher. It's a bit tougher. Yeah. Um. So, do you have an AGM for your team, or are you just running it solo at the moment? Well, I in the first season when I was uh, oh, I was GMing in season sixty six, I hired the GM. I had the GM uh, uh, Jables, who was a great guy, who was a great. Uh, a great member of the community. Unfortunately, he was unable to continue his uh, his time as my GM and actually be active on the league. But uh, he was a great guy, and I've, you know, I, I I've really enjoyed my time as uh, as a GM when he was my AGM. But that said, I haven't had any other GMs as I've been quite strongly. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I don't believe that I need an AGM. That's the thing. I don't think that I need an AGM. I understand that other GMs might need one. I personally don't. So when you had an AGM, what was their role? And was it just more locker room stuff? Well, my basically, I I discussed it with Jables at the first when I hired him, and I said that, well, there's, there are certain things that uh, we need to understand, uh, you know, both of us. And that, uh, uh, firstly, it was that... Uh, I do everything, and then he basically joins in and does things whenever I don't have a time or I just tell him, you know, try to go and do that. So he basically did some press conference, and he was more or less interactive with the locker room as, as much as he can and be there when I'm sleeping, because that's a, actually that's a big issue for me as a GM, because, uh, you know, when, uh, when North Americans uh, basically wake up, it's, it's like, uh, you know, 1, 2 p.m. for me. And when they are really active, it's like 1 a.m. for me. Yeah. So uh, there is this big gap of time that I have to fill up, and I had an AGM that tried to do it. And, uh, yeah, at that time, it, it it seemed like a good choice, but I've understood that uh, that uh, I can manage it without it. Yeah, that's my one of my biggest problems, and why I like having an AGM was because that time difference, like probably in about three hours or so, most of North America will be waking up and, you know, jumping on, start chatting, where that's middle of the night for me. So I'll be well and truly asleep. So I really miss that first eight hours of activity because as soon as they're waking up, I'm going to bed. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that, that can be rough. You know, that's why that's why I can understand why sometimes uh, VHLM, uh, you know, commissioners, ban and DA at this time have to, have to really think about who they're hiring when it comes to you know the area of the world because uh, 
of course, it would be a lot easier if uh, instead of both of us, there would be two North American GMs, right? The drafts would be easier. There wouldn't be as many discussions about, uh, well, you know, how do we sign waivers, right? As uh, yeah. waivers is another big issue for us. As uh, if as the most of the you know the biggest uh, group of waivers come in from North America, so they come in at the like hot hours for uh, you know for all North American GMs, and for us we either are sleeping or at work or you know available at that time, so it can be rough. Yeah, um, I agree that waivers. It's that's the hardest part is really just having someone there to be able to pick up the person because if you're three hours late to a waiver signing they've already just made up their decision most of the time or if they're not they haven't made up the decision there's a good chance they're not coming back so yeah trying to find that time where you can get the waiver get the offer in early enough that you might be able to snag the player exactly yeah um so speaking of waivers um would you rather draft a dream team and make it go all the way, or would you rather sign a dream team on waivers and win the cup? Well, you know, I'm going to say from experience, I've had uh, I've had two good seasons, and season 67 and season 68. Season 68, Houston Bulls won the cup. So in both cases, uh, the teams were built on the draft. And I've been a... I've been a strong supporter of EHL and draft as the most important thing for a team in a victory run. So a smart uh, drafting and a smart trading at the draft can lead to a can lead to a winning roster, which I had. And you know, after having a really really tough uh, season sixty six as the first season, I had sixty losses, uh, which was which was rough. But then again, you know, next two seasons were winning, so. I can't say much about that, but it's definitely it's definitely drafting, definitely drafting. Because, uh, uh, and again, you know, I think it's it's because of my uh, my in a sense uh, first seasons in VHLM as a player. Because when I started off, I went to uh, Philadelphia, and uh, in Philadelphia, I knew that uh, Blade's uh, main idea of how to build the team was through the draft. So in the first season, when I was a waiver picker for uh, for 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 Blade, I uh, in season sixty five, uh, I basically went to uh, went to them because they were the first ones to respond, and I got in. You know, another question about waivers. I went to the first team to respond, and uh, after that, I was traded away. And yet, uh, next season, I was picked up first overall in the VHL draft, and. Uh, I knew that the team that was built through the draft is the one that can win. Because there's a, you know, the waiver signing teams are great because that, you know, makes you, you know, gives you some sort of a uh, feeling of accomplishment that you've, uh, you were able to acquire players and, you know, do uh, smart signings in a sense. But uh, for the draft, it's, uh, I think it's a lot safer to do it through the draft. And yeah, it definitely would be a, a draft team. Yeah, so you went first overall in the VHLM draft. That's that's a good good little thing there for a first gen player. So congratulations on that. I that was a bit before my joining, so I wasn't entirely up to my knowledge on that one. So well, let's let's say it how it is. I wasn't the best player at the draft. I was selected because uh, 
and you know, and it, I think it's fairly well, you know, I think it's a fairly good argument still because I was active in locker room because I was uh, I was really passionate for playing for Philadelphia, and I actually, which is another thing that you know, I don't say that I would resent this, but I'm not very fond of the idea that when I when I basically stayed for season sixty six down. I actually lost about 40, 50 TP just to stay down because I was capping every week and I was doing as much as I can. And there was this, there was this one stage where I just had to uh, lay off of getting TP because I would go over the, over the cap. And uh, I still won the Founders Cup in season 66 as a player. So I had to be, you know, I, I had to be happy about it and I was happy about it, but still, uh, staying down and being the first uh, overall was uh, it was a tough thing to do. Okay, well, I'm going to put it that way. It was a tough thing to do because for a player, you know, it would be a lot better if I'd be right now, you know, 900 something TP with my with, with John Frosby and uh, actually be one of the one of the better players on my draft class. And now I'm you know like seven eight range. So yeah. Um. So. You had the rough season, season 66, 67 and 68. You had pretty good years with 68, wasn't it? You won the cup? Yes, season 68. And then uh, last season was a bit rough for you again, I'm pretty sure. Yes, indeed. I was, again, I, I sold basically all the, the valuable players. I acquired the picks for the, this, this and the next season draft. Uh, and uh, yeah, I tried to basically build on that as, as I, you know, again, with, with the changes in the TP uh, cap, I think it's going to be a bit different, but I've always been on this impression that in VHLM you can have a one uh, tanking season and two good competitive seasons. And that's what I'm always going for right now, is one, uh, one weaker season and two good seasons. Yeah, and personally, I feel like you picked probably one of the best seasons to do your tanking season with 69 being such a small draft. Um, we had the problem with the Hounds where we really built up for that season and then the picks, you know, we're still struggling to get enough players to fill the team. So, yeah, I feel like you got you almost got the luck of the draw there with going with season 69 this year, um, tanking season. Yeah, and, and actually interesting, talking about season 69, I still had picks in the draft and I still had the uh, you know, players staying down, and uh, which was which was brilliant is that I knew that at that time I couldn't compete with teams like uh, Mississauga and Saskatoon, and at the same time, you know, Mexico as well, because Mexico had a decent roster. I'm not gonna not gonna go there and say that they didn't have. They had a good roster, season 69. But I knew that I I had no chance. I you know I probably would have been like 15. Uh, in playoffs, you know, you know, in the fifth, fourth, maybe uh, spot, if I wouldn't have traded anyone and I would have just stick to the you know competitive side, but um, I decided to to, to trade everyone because I understood that there is that all of the top teams are gonna want my players. I knew that every single team want to have the uh, want to have the you know the top level talent that I had. I had Eric Summers who was. Uh, you know, 200 uh, TP uh, defenseman. I had Ed Dostava, who was a 200 uh, TP centerman. I had uh, Milos Slavic. I had, uh, I had, you know, quite a lot of players that were really, really high TP. And I still could have had the chance of competing. And I had Boris Boris as an active, uh, 
at that time, active uh, goaltender. So I just tried to basically get rid of all the players, get as much as I can. And I did get a lot of in return. I got uh, six uh, picks in the first three rounds for the season 60, no, for the season 70 draft. And I think four or five uh, picks in the season 71 draft. Yeah, so going back over the season 70 draft, you had the first and the second and the fourth pick. Does that put a little bit of added pressure on you having, you know, three of the top four picks with making sure that you pick those, you know, you're picking the right three people? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and again, the draft is a bit uh, a bit interesting because, uh, you know, I, I knew at the same, I, I knew at the start that I'm going to pick a, a pieces player or a killing guy the first. I knew it because, uh, I thought that you know I'm gonna give somebody that I know is gonna be great in uh, in VHL. I know I want to give him that uh, the pressure of being the first overall in, in draft. You know, going into that, and uh, I wanted to just uh, have uh, you know peace the moment of appreciation because I think that he was a great VHL MGM, and I think that it was a you know I I, I tried to make a gesture of uh, of appreciation for his uh, for his work in in in, in VHLM. And then after that, I'm going to say it was a bit tougher. Because, again, I knew that I'm going to uh, try to get uh, Stonewallski. So, dollars player, right? The goaltender. Yep. And then the defensive part was the roughest. As there were two... Basically, in the draft, we had two good uh, defensemen. You know, we had Hugh Jazz, the Flash's player, and Rock Davis, Josh's player. Both good quality uh, defensemen. And the issue was that I had to choose between them. And I couldn't decide who to pick. Because I knew that for the team, the best pro- probably the best choice was to get Rock Davis because he was the best player available at the draft. And at the same time, I had Hugh Jazz, who was a waiver pickup from last season. And uh, it was this basically, you know, a discussion in my mind whether or not I want to go with the best player or when I'm going to go with a guy that joined my team in the waivers. And I knew that Hugh Jass is going to be capped at the, uh, at the playoffs. So it wasn't really a question of who's going to be the best at the playoffs. It was the question of, well, am I going to put my, uh, you know, everything on the table and say, right, I'm going to pick Rock Davis, I'm going to be better off the start, and then we'll see how it goes. Or I pick Hugh Jazz, maybe, you know, not have the uh, superb uh, first, you know, I don't know, two weeks of the season. But after that, I still have Hugh Jazz, I still have Flash on my team, who was in the locker room and who was active. And uh, my pick of choosing Hugh Jazz was basically based on that. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on me as well, because I selected three players in the first basically four picks, and if I'm not going to do good in playoffs, you know, you could make a case by saying that, uh, well, I kind of blew it. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm, st- I'm, I'm very hopeful about this team because I know I have a lot of guys that I picked later on and I've made some trades that I know that this team has a potential to win. Just have to hope that it doesn't turn out like season 67. Yeah, so you had a couple of... Um lower round picks where you had a couple in what well, you had two in the second round and then three in the third round have um and then one in the fifth round are they all still around at the moment or are they you know 
you got some actives, some inactives, or how are they all going? So out of I had six picks in the first. I, I think I have seven because I traded for one. Yes. So out of those players, I think uh, only one is really inactive, which is uh, which is which is uh, Owen Katanak. Uh, I think that the name of the player was a left wing. They selected. Uh, uh, I think it was like forty fifth overall. So hugely late and, and nothing really important. So uh, everybody else is active. Everybody else I'm talking to because one of the one of the really important things from my locker room is that uh, you know sometimes locker room might not seem as active, but I'm trying to engage with the players on on uh, private messages. You know, just to talk to them and just to have the you know they have the touch of the GM actually talking to them and, and trying to figure out what they want to do in the league. And uh, help them out in every single way possible. But everybody in the draft basically was active, except uh, except uh, that one left wing I selected. So you've got a pretty deep team at the moment. Um, are you you're happy where your team sits at the moment? You think come playoff time that you should be in a good spot to make another run for the cup? I believe so, because I you know there. Are, yeah, I, I'm lacking defensemen. I know that that there. I've basically two active defensemen. I have uh, I have Fizz's player Bo Burrows, and I have Hugh Jazz, the Flash's player. That's it, because the Kevin Beegsman is an inactive. So I, I no, I can't do anything about that. But everybody else, uh, uh, basically, I have three lines of forward depth that are all active. I'm hoping that a lot of them are going to be in the uh, hundred seventy, hundred eighty TP range at the playoffs. So I'm especially thinking about the second line because I know that the first, in in my eyes, the first line is going to be good anyway because I have uh, Jimothy Frost in the center, I have Alan Killinger, and I have Christopher McDag. So I have three players that are definitely going to be a decent and you know probably a you know a true top line in the VHL. The second line I still want to keep up that they are you know good and they can play quality. Uh, ice time and and do that. So I I think that we have the tools to win. I'm quite uh, intrigued how the team is going to grow and how they're going to develop. As we have a lot of you know we have quite a few strong teams this season. We have Minnesota, who are doing fantastically right now. Though Houston Bulls beat them, so not sure about that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, you've it's um Ottawa, Philly, then Mini. As the top three, um, then you got San Diego just behind you. How how are you feeling about your chances? You feel like you're a top three content. Like where do you think you're gonna place if you had to place yourself for the end of the season? Where do you think you're gonna end up? I do think it's gonna be. Uh, I think it's gonna be a lot about how my players develop. But right now, I've gotta be fairly confident to say that I am a top three contender. Even though the standings right now might not show it at the end of the season, I think I'm gonna be there. And um yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, to be fair, I don't think that any of the top five teams are uh really, you know, having that much of advantage over any of uh, any of the other. So the winning uh, for for each team is a you know, high probability. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a good season. I think it's going to be a nice, solid race at the top. And 
I think we'll find out at the deadline who wants to keep going for the cup and who sort of bows out and thinks we'll go for a, you know, let's sell everything we have and go for a different year. So I think it's going to be a pretty tight race at the top for this, this season. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And I think that there are, uh, there are a lot of talent going around the league, so we have, we have a chance to see some interesting trades and quite some... I do believe they're going to be quite an interesting block, uh, blockbuster trades as well. Because uh, if, uh, and I think that because our GMs are, you know, at least in my eyes, are uh, quite smart when it comes to trading and when it comes to figuring out what the future of their team is, uh, I think the teams that are in the sixth place, fifth place, uh, seventh place in that range might uh, decide just to sell off as they might not find the. Playoffs is uh, such a good option for them. So you talked about trades and people being smart. Um, Ray's kind of hurt me a little bit in my first trade. It was while I was on um, Halifax. I got a message from Dill overnight saying I think he just saw the trade then and was wondering what what I was thinking. Um, What sort of advice would you have on trades and how to really get you the best value out of the trades? I know the sort of the worth of all the players is changing as the caps change. So what sort of opinions do you have on that? Well, you know, the values are changing. I, I, I think I mentioned it previously already that the, that the cap has changed some things around the league and how we, how we perceive talent and, uh, everything but uh you know i don't think that i'm the best player and the best gm to take uh an advice from when it comes to trading you know uh, as i have a tendency of uh having very short uh trade talks you know and this is one of the things what i can what i don't think is the best thing for me as a gm is that i i tend to have a fairly I think I have a view on what the value for certain things is. And if uh, if the other team is offering me exactly that value or, you know, even a bit uh, in their favor, I'm quite probably going to take it. Because I don't, I don't really like to have these, you know, very lengthy discussions, you know, three, four hours, just chats about whether or not I'm going to get an extra fourth round pick, you know. I think that it's, I you know, for me, it's it's not, that important in my opinion it's just uh, uh you know you can you can you can work around it and have a lot of uh, have a lot of uh, a lot of fun with it and uh yeah as i said i'm probably not the best player to ask advice for but uh one thing i can say is that uh, uh the best option probably is to uh ask uh, other gms and just uh you know have the uh, have the trade offers. If you receive one trade offer, you know, try to offer the some things to other GMs, the same try, the same kind of deals, and see uh, what they are offering, and then base your uh, base uh, your view on the trade value on the research that you made. Yes, yeah, so really sort of test the market to see what else, what other offers you can get, and then you know, at least then you've got an idea of the price without creating it yourself. You can sort of see what the market has to offer. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. I might start... If you start getting uh, messages from me saying how much would you pay for this, uh, you know what's happening. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and you know, and I, I'm going to say, you know, I would, I would personally answer honestly. I wouldn't, you know, make a, uh, I wouldn't, you know, try to uh, fleece you of anything and just say, you know, you know, this is what I would pay him. Yeah, because you know, as I said, this is a. I think that the group of GMs we have are are friendly enough to have these conversations and not get mad at each other. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've enjoyed your time as a VHLM GM. Would you like to move up to the VHL one day? Definitely, yes. And, and I can, you know, and I can explain why because I do believe that being a GM in an M team is uh, on an M team is probably probably more interesting than being in a VHL GM. As yes, in a VHL GM, you can have, you know, four seasons of of uh, competitive uh, a competitive playoff runs, or even more, you know, if you're if you're really working around the uh, around the drafts and actually, you know, do the right moves. But that said, uh, for me, uh, VHLM is a bit tough with the other job uh, in the league I have as a VSN manager. Is VSN takes a lot of my time away, so. I don't have as much time as I previously had on basically uh, on the site to have and spend with my players to uh, you know involve myself in the team stuff. I'm still there. I'm still you know available at uh, any time except when I'm sleeping. And even then, you can get to me if you try really hard <laughs> um, because I don't uh, ever you know take my uh, phone um, sound off. So. Uh, there are going to be a lot of pings near my ears, so there is a chance that I'm going to be uh, off and, and I can actually read stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think that the VHL GM right now at, at this stage uh, would, would fit me uh, more. As I think that there is a lot uh, less of this uh, micromanagement that needs to be done. It's, it's, it, there doesn't need to be that much of an interaction with your players, even though I would still do it uh, as much as I can because I... I enjoy the socialization with your players on the team, on the on the team where you're playing. So, yeah, yeah, because um, we were both on Seattle recently when we won the cup. Uh, that's where I first really had most of my conversations with you. Um, do you think if you were to move up to the VHL, how? much would you be like someone like Banner? Do you think he would GM similar to you, or do you think you take a different approach to the way he does it? Well, let's let's put it out there, you know, and uh, I am, you know, I've been a huge fan of Banner since uh, I got uh, I got traded from Calgary to Seattle, which was probably the best thing that has happened to my player ever. <clears throat> you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, throw shade on Calgary because uh, Calgary was great uh, to me for like a week. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I I think that he's a great GM. But that said, I I think that uh, I think that building the way how he did is uh, and and the working the locker room and and actually interacting with players and and uh, making you know certain decisions a a team wide discussion. I think it's. I think it's a great thing to see, and I think it's a great thing that uh, that it happens. The question that I'm always having about it is, well, uh, is it the best way how to run a team? I don't know. 
You know, I don't know because it. You know, as I said, it's it's a little different to run a team in M and then in, in VHL itself. So it's. Uh, I I guess I could say that uh, I have to have to experience it first for myself, and then I can see how it's gonna uh, shape up and, and and turn out. As uh, as I definitely you know, as I definitely am a big fan of him and. And, and his work as a GM, and I still consider him to be the uh, best GM I've ever had the uh, pleasure of playing uh, for. Yeah, so uh, when I first said I was doing this podcast, he requested that anyone who's played under Seattle had to say something nice about him. So I thought if I just brought up that question, we could probably just get that out of the road. Oh, definitely. And actually, I, you know, and I just said a little stuff because I, you know, if we ever go to, uh, if we ever go to extend talking about other stuff in the league, you know, I've had, uh, I've had plenty of conversations with him. He's one of the people that actually tend to answer my private messages when I actually send them. Because, uh, um, you know, again, I don't want to throw, uh, throw shade at anyone, but uh, my experience with uh, certain other GMs have been that uh, you send a private message and, uh, you receive an answer in 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 like two and a half weeks, <laughs> and that's a bit rough because you know you don't need the answer at that time anymore. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> but uh, you know, again, I'm not calling names, but uh, Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you brought it up before the VSN. So you became pretty popular with your. Uh, it was ESN, wasn't it? Your Original, yeah, the, the European cable news. Yes, my 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 uh, proud and joy of my media spots and VHL articles. So that really boosted you up and got you the the popularity, I think, to start leading the VSN. How's that been? Well, you know, to, to start off, it was uh, it was interesting because I've always been uh, intrigued about it and. Uh, and I thought that VSN had a lot of potential that was uh, was just not achieved by either leadership or by you know people that were working there. Either they were unwilling to contribute as much as they needed to, or or the format was just uh, you know not used properly. And I always thought that by showing what I can do with the ECN, I can then you know move to and, and just show that hey, I can do it better at that. And uh, I think that the like the most important moment for me in the in the terms of VSN was uh, was the Ray's post. When Ray's posted his, uh, well, I guess you can call it a rant, uh, but uh, when he posted his uh, disapproval and uh, and his uh, uh, and his choice to leave uh, VSN as a writer, I think that uh, opened my eyes a bit about. Uh, you know what is going on there, and why a talented writer like Ray's uh, has to leave. You know, and, and why why the situation is that way. So uh, I, at that time, started to get more and more interested into that, and uh, actually sent a few messages out. I, I sent a message to Sean at that time; he was a manager, and I sent messages out to a Quick and Beck about uh, the. VSN as a uh, uh, you know as a platform that was not used correctly, and uh, uh, at that time I, I I know quite well that the conversations went well with all the sides except Sean, who never really responded to me. And then then you know again 
you know, I, I had the pleasure of, uh, together with Banner to take over BSN. We, we, we moved into BSN while Sean was still there and we started to implement our changes and, uh, Sean was not active. So, well, at that time he was, you could say that he was there, but he didn't really contribute to any changes we made. He was uh, in the chat that uh, didn't really answer anything, didn't really contact us. He was just there, you know, as in a, he was existing. So, and and since then, the VSN has been producing, uh, in my opinion, a lot of uh, high quality content. We've worked a lot with writers. We've had writers changing, hiring uh, new ones. We've had uh, we've had new series coming up, and actually, some of, some of the new series will be coming up soon. So, that's 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 another question. But yeah. And say, can we have any sneak peeks to anything new coming out soon that you're excited for? Yes, well, I can. I can say. I can say this that uh, uh, I think that people uh, have quite enjoyed our weekly uh, VHL uh, review. Basically, that uh, we review, you know, the the last week how the league has played, the wins, the standings, the power rankings, the best players, stars, you know, and and, and everything surrounding that. And I can say that. Uh, there has been a lack of VHLM coverage in that sense. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, also, I saw you guys were doing the trade alerts with the absolutely frantic off-season we just experienced in the VHL. How was, how was that behind the scenes trying to get trade alerts out when trades were happening every 10, 15 minutes? <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, I like, you know, and I've, always said this to my writers as well in VSN, that off-seasons are the roughest time, because uh, we have a lot of things to do. We have uh, we have the seasonal posts, like top 25 players, we have mock drafts, uh, we have other posts that are going to come up soon again, we're going to have uh, uh, Retirees Requiem coming up, which is a post about, you know, players that have uh, recently retired. We talk about their careers, so that's another post coming up soon, and uh, there's a lot of things that uh, happened to that, and trade alerts was uh, was a truly big thing this last season. There were a lot of, a lot of important trades made because you know when you have these small trades, you can make a small post because you don't have to explain why there is a change in in draft picks because that's you know nobody really cares about it. So when there's a player involved, that's what you know you need to cover. So. Yeah. Um, when we have a player again, you know, previous uh, previous off season, the first one when I was a when I was a manager, we had this uh, this small issue that uh, uh, when we when we went out and decide to when we went out and decide to uh, work on the trade alerts as a as a thing, there were basically like three and four trades. Two of them were meaningless because we sent uh, uh, I think two inactive players uh, into two different teams. That's it. It seemed easy, and this this off season was tough because we had to had to manage it. And the good thing is that uh, we actually got uh, our two new hirings done: the Doomsday and uh, and uh, and Eric Summers, because of Matto leaving VSN, uh, and uh, and uh, one can win as well uh, was not able to continue his uh, his tenure as as a writer for us, and. You know, it, it's it's tough. I'm gonna say the trade alert thing is tough because it, uh, you know, it it just takes a lot of time to do the research and to write these posts. And especially, we were we were basically four or five uh, writers uh, 
covering all that, and we had to create uh, uh, some of us four to five posts about trades and trade alerts, and had to cover all of that in in a very small amount of time. And it took you know, and it, when it comes to the writing, I think that uh, uh, yes, the, the trade uh, basically the pay that we are receiving as a writers are are pretty decent for what we do. But that said, uh, you know, still it's. Uh, it's a lot of work, and behind the scenes, it was it was interesting because we had to manage it and 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 uh, assign these trade alerts to people who wanted to write about it. And again, uh, a lot of uh, small mistakes there. You know, we we missed one trade, and then we basically posted the trade alert like I think four days later, and it seemed a bit weird because we've already covered you know the newer trades and then that. So, but you know, again, we're we're working on it. We're we're trying to make it better, and I hope that. Uh, the content that we are creating is uh, is liked around the league. So, since taking over the VSN, have, how many articles have you really had? Have you done much writing, or have you just been sort of overseeing and editing more than really actually getting in writing? I have done I have done writing uh, a bit. You know, I'm done. You know, again, I've been done doing more editing and reviewing and suggesting things. So, I have to actually check on that, but. Uh, uh, I've done, I've done, I've done some writing. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put, uh, you know, as much as I can into into that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not as easy right now to find the time for it. Yeah. Um, has being more in charge of you know reviewing and editing and that sort of stuff is that taking your enjoyment out of like writing the ECN articles you used to do, or are you still enjoying it just as much having, you know, being in control and sort of being able to create the ideas almost and just divvy it out to other people to write? Well, that's, you know, in my eyes, the, the writing part was always interesting for me because I've, I just enjoyed that. Really enjoyed to put my thoughts on the paper. I do it uh, in my free time as well. I just, uh, you know, I have a, I have a few notebooks that have been written full with stuff that uh, don't make sense now, but made sense when I was writing it. And um, <laughs> I just, I've just always enjoyed that. And so, so writing ESN, ECN stuff was was always uh, was always a thing that I I enjoyed and and did. And now when I moved on to the, uh, in a sense, a uh, in, in you know a bit higher role in, a, in that uh, in that sense that I don't really have to do as much writing as I used to. To get the TP that I can actually just sit down, think about the ideas that the writers have put on the paper, and just think, all right, so that works, that doesn't work. You know, what can we change to make it better? What can we do to make it more fancy? And even editing, you know, editing takes a lot of time because I have a I have a tough tendency of uh, uh, of uh, making changes to uh, grammar when it really doesn't matter because. Uh, uh, well, you see, I'm, as I'm a Latvian, I have a, I have a very strict thing that when I went to school, I was taught British English. So certain things in American English are different. Yes, uh, I, I found the same thing as um, the most famous one is I got invited into the Prague locker room, and DA gave a run the guests of honor roll and spelled honor, H O N O R. So I whinged to him saying that he spelled honor wrong. Can I have a different role? So that was, I just like abusing that sort of, the Americans using the the lack of the letter U 
and uh, look yeah, other exactly. a little differently. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's you know, and those are those are some things that I I usually tend to correct, and then I have writers that uh, kind of. Uh, sit back and you know after posting a post uh, uh, ask me well all right I understood that you changed that should I try to write in British English from now so <laughs> you don't have to write, change that and it, it, it's it always actually makes me smile because I think that you know I won the battle I won the battle of grammar <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, yeah it's 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 you know it's interesting it definitely you know I love editing and I love to see what uh, what writers are putting up on a paper because it's it's truly great you know we and I'm you know again I, I can I cannot say this enough but I'm very very proud of everyone working for VSN you know we have so many amazing people that with Mozza doing graphics you know I think that you can't ask for a better person to do that you can't ask for better writers you know we've had the, We've had uh, truly brilliant guys. We have Hatter on our team. We have Eric Summers. We have uh, Doomsday. We have McWolf. McWolf is a is a true, uh, you know, true, true, truly brilliant guy to have on the team. And then again, we have we have now uh, slowly working with us and and doing uh, doing his things, Gustav. And you know, I can't say, you know, we we all can say so many things about Gustav. So I think it's not. I think that we don't have to emphasize that uh, much more. <laughs> but yeah. Such a great guy. Everybody on the team is, is so amazing. That I'm just, I'm just in a sense blessed to have them, and, and, and have their support on what we do. So speaking about Gustav, the first one he did for the VSN was the big mock draft that he pulls out every season. Um, I saw you were a part of that. How was that process? Because I did it the previous season and. It was a bit of fun, like sitting down and trying to figure out who would pick what. You know, what what teams need what, and who would they pick, and how was that for you? Did you enjoy it? Well, you know, I, I, again, I can say that uh, this was the second time I was a part of the mock because I was at the uh, part of the mock when McWolf was running it, and you, I think, you might remember that the first season when the the, the big mock arrived, it was McWolf running and Gustav writing, and then the second time was that McWolf couldn't do it because of. I think we ascend stuff at that time, so we kind of, you know, so the so the Gustav took it over, and I wrote for the McWolf's one, and uh, uh, I really enjoyed it then. And now it was uh, even more actually interesting because uh, we didn't really do it, you know, as long as we did for the for the previous two. But this time I think we did like three rounds, and uh, it's definitely it's definitely interesting to uh, vote and see who they're gonna pick. And you know, even on the draft uh, podcast, I. Uh, on the draft uh, stream, I mean, uh, I kind of sat back and smiled every time the teams picked what they wanted, and then and then Davos happened and completely destroyed all my boards. So, yeah, yeah, um, I remember the first, the one I did. I, th- um, I think DA might have had one of the first picks with Prague, and um, he chose Cinnamon Block, but I thought. The Prague needed a goalie that they might stretch and you know really reach for a goalie, so that threw off my mock completely when I, you know, stretched for like about ten picks or something to get the the goalie that was nowhere near the top of the TPA. But I just thought Prague might reach just to get that goalie under their belt. But yeah, so that helped that hurt me when I first tried to do a mock. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, because we don't, you know, we can't really know what the what the really basis for the picks are. Because we might seem that you know taking somebody is quite logical, 
But that, then again, you know, you don't know what the GM is really thinking. Maybe he really likes that person and he wants to pick it. The same way as, you know, for me in the VHL, uh, VHL draft, when I was drafted 12 for Calgary, it was a bit of a shock because I wasn't projected to go in the top 20. I was projected to go, I think, uh, 28th at the, at the draft rankings. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was a bit interesting to be drafted a lot higher and, and you know, have that expectation of, uh, of playing for a team and being good and then, again, be traded two weeks later. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, yeah, and also with the mock drafts, this offseason would have been extremely difficult because just looking at the draft, the picks changed so much since, like, you don't have enough time to pick all your players and then adjust it each time that a draft, uh, a trade comes through with picks. So you, I guess you just drew a line in the sand and said at this time, it's like, this is what we're doing. If anyone trades are made after this, it's like, don't even worry about it. Uh, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Because, uh, you know, there was a... yeah. It would, it would, first of all, it would take so much time to change it all and, and, and see, because, you know, there might be there might be too many changes for the uh, for the for the draft board, and not only that, but you know the write-ups that we do for each player, they change a lot depending on what team you know we're talking. They change quite a lot because uh, you know you might say that in certain cases you know they really need a defenseman, and then again you look at a team that have like eight defensemen lined up, and you think, well, maybe not. So it's 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 a lot more. It would make a lot more micromanaging and a lot actually a lot more work put into it if we would do the if we do the precise you know perfect pre-draft uh, draft board that but uh, mock draft but uh, yeah it's definitely it's definitely interesting experience now doing it under VSN is um, yeah I'm very I'm very you know very proud of what we're doing. I think what you should do is you set a time and. No GMs are allowed to make trades after that time, so you've got enough time to make your draft board as accurate <laughs> as possible. Ah, so so GMs should adapt to us, not we should adapt. All right, I, I like think that. so. Yeah, I yeah. like that idea. Yeah, you're you're on the right mindset. I like it. I like. <laughs> they don't have to write anything. They just have to click a few buttons. You guys have to write a lot of stuff. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So from now on, uh, VHL GMs have to adapt to the VSN schedule. So. Yeah, so you pick the draft order you want, and they have to go from there. <laughs> so we just pick a draft order. I like it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? So from this moment on, we we just want to give uh, you know like a Malbo a chance to compete again. Let's give yeah. them like next three for you know first round picks in next three seasons. Don't care about yes. standings. We're gonna decide where you're gonna pick. It's lottery yeah. to the extreme. Like there's no percentages. <laughs> just you feel like giving first round picks to. Yeah, we we make a VSN vote. You know, we make a VSN vote. <laughs> uh, so then the the whole thing of the GMs to just be draw, um, training for as many VSN people as they can, so they can get some more picks up front. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, that'd be, that'd be interesting. And I think at that time, a VSN job would become the most important job in the league. <laughs> you know, being a writer, I think we'd have not like you know, because the last actually interesting. You know, the last time we made a. We made a job hiring post. I think that we had like six, seven candidates, and uh, 
it's a decent amount. I'm not gonna say anything about that, but I would have expected that more people would be willing to go for a fairly high paying job because uh, the VSN stuff is 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 quite. And I think that we have a great great group of people to work with. I think that we are all understanding. We all take uh, uh, each other's jobs on if one cannot, you know, make it and and, and do things. So. Uh, and again, you know, you don't have to worry about the media spot after that, because uh, the VSN job pay for a writer is ATPE, which means that you get uh, the six for a media spot that you'd be writing, but so it's replaced, and plus two because you're working for VSN. So uh, it's a, it's you know, I think it is a pretty decent thing to go for, but I'm just surprised that people don't go for it. So are you going to have any more jobs coming up in the future, do you think? Or are you happy with where your team sits at the moment? Well, it's all about the, you know, it's all about the activity that we're going to get from the writers. And I think that at, the, at this time we are set. But the, but the question is going to you know, how long it's going to stay this way or how long it's going to be this way. Because, you know, I wasn't planning on hiring two writers, uh, you know, this off season it wasn't like my intention to hire anybody, but Matt was, uh, you know, taking a step back from the league, so he left our history writer position, and then we had Juan who had, uh, you know, his own problems. In, well, not problems, but you know, the, the time management thing uh, in real life. So he said he can't uh, can't make it. So we had just two people uh, with a, with a reasonable, uh, you know, completely reasonable uh reasons they can't make it so it was it was it was hiring in the, in the sense of necessity at that point but uh i think that we have a, a team right now that is fairly set if somebody is going to take up, a, up another job that is a uh, done a restrict them or restrict their time of you know being avs invited then definitely there's going to be a post and 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 we will have to we'll have to see who wants to wants to join us and, and and be a new writer for VSN. So as is this the first podcast you've done as being on the site? Uh, yes, I have from the draft streams, of course. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I haven't been on podcasts and uh, I think that uh, I at one point I actually wanted to do podcasts. I wanted to make an ECN podcast instead of having a uh, VHL article I wanted to make, you know, a small podcast in that sense, but uh, I never really got around to do it. I don't know why, but I never really got around to it. I feel like I'm sort of following your footsteps almost. I created a acronym for mine just, just to more, I could use it as a tag, and then that way I knew when I'd post an article and I could search them up quite easily. And that was my plan, and now I'm, you know, doing a podcast, that sort of thing. So, oh, so what? You what so what you're saying is that uh, you are uh, indirectly trying to apply for a job in VSN as a podcast. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Sure. So this one could be the first VSN podcast where I just get paid <laughs> extra for it because it's you're in it. It's VSN. <laughs> wow, this is this, this great. Yeah. Well. Which is actually, which is actually, a, you know, another question because we have a we have our own podcaster as well, uh, Advantage, and our and the VSN system. But as I understand, he's having some 
he's having some real life stuff that uh, uh, it takes up his time. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe there's going to be a time when we will need a podcaster. And to be fair, uh, you know, I'm not going to go around and I can actually come out here and say it on a podcast that uh, if I'd be hiring, you'd probably be my first choice that I'd approach. Because the work that you've put in here, in these podcasts is brilliant. You know, I've listened to every single podcast uh, that you've put out, and they're, they're all great. They're really, really, all of them are great. And I think that uh, the quality of content you have is exactly what uh, what people would would need and uh, would want to have in, on on VHL forums. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just happy that uh, I'm just really really happy for you, and I hope you continue. This is this is brilliant. Yeah, um, I'm having lots of fun doing it. That's why I keep doing it. And you know, last week I put out the three podcasts. This week I'm putting out might be another three. I'm pretty sure. And then I think I have one next week and one the week after. So I've got a lot lined up. The one with Mexican cow I did this morning. Um, he wanted to use it as TPE task, and I said, well, I've got enough in the backlog. So I just let him claim all the weeks for it. So you know, I'm just having fun doing it. I'm not really doing it for the TP at the moment. I'm just sort of trying to. I'm using it as a way of learning, GMing a bit myself, and also sort of teach the people around the league who the VHLM GMs are and what they do and that sort of thing. I I'm enjoying it a lot. Well, that's great. That's you know that's exactly what I'd be looking for a person that is contributing to our site and to the forums and just to the VHL uh, in general is. Uh... You know, you know, you've done, you've, you've been an amazing guy, and to have on a team as well. You know, while I was in Seattle, I cannot say, you know, that you know, I, I still believe we had the best locker room in uh, VHL, and I think that you were a big part of it. And now to see, you know, you do this, it's just uh, so, so, so good. Yeah, thanks. I just try and, you know, just trying to put out stuff that I enjoy, and hoping that other people will enjoy it at the same time. And- Seems to get a decent enough reception at the moment, so people are enjoying it. I'll keep doing it, keep spitting them out, and let people listen to them. Yep. Um, so with the VSN, you're the editor. How much is that TPE pay? Well, I'm you know I'm not editor per se because I'm you know what we have in what we have the in the VSN is basically we have a. Uh, manager slash editor. So that's that's me. I'm doing all of the content things relating to VSN. So everything that comes out is either seen by me or edited by me or, you know, have my ideas in there as well. Uh, Bana, who is basically the, you know, advising me as much as he can and just be there as a support. He's been doing great stuff there uh, as, a, as a writer with his... Uh, uh, with his uh, Campbell's Corner post, so that's it. But I'm more or less the more or less the 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 the, the manager slash editor. I do both things, and uh, the pay for that is 10 TP right now. Is it you know? As as I said, it's 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 a bit well, you know. Again, you know, it's 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 a bit much. But that said, you know, it's it actually takes a lot of my time out as. Uh, when especially when trade alerts happened, you know, to read through all of that and to make changes every time somebody, you know, writes a post, it it, it takes some time, especially when 
when posts come up at uh, come up at like one a.m. for my time, and I just uh, can't get myself to bed without actually editing things because <laughs> it would seem weird, you know. Because then I wake up at like nine in the morning and I have to go and say like, "Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, I was asleep while while you were sitting uh, and waiting for the you know the post <laughs> to be approved." So, so yeah, yeah. So with the ten TB from that and the two from being a GM, you just kept every week and. I know, obviously, with the VSN, you're putting out a lot of content. But essentially, you're getting paid the 12 without really you ever having to post anything, essentially. Most of the time, um, if you edit it, I'm assuming the person who wrote it, they'll post it themselves. Do you, How yes. do you compare the two job pays? Like, Do you think that having two jobs which pay different, do you think you put in five times the amount of work for the VSN as you do a GM? Well, this is this is the tough one because I can I can definitely tell you where I've I've been a strong strong supporter of saying that GM pay is fair, and I've I don't think that GM pay of the two TP needs to be higher because in my eyes the GM job is about passion that you have for running it because you know the interaction with players and everything that it has to be in you. And the pay shouldn't be the driving force for it. That said, now that I've experienced VSN stuff, I can understand points made that the GM pay should be higher. Or at the same time, that other pay should be lower. And I have no issues with that. I, I could, you know, I could, I would be, you know, very fine with people saying that, you know, you're, you're earning too much. And I'd say that probably. You know, there is, there can be uh, enough evidence put out that you know, my stuff as a VSN manager would not be as uh, as valuable as ten TP a week. But uh, again, you know, I I do believe that uh, you know the the pace that we have around the league, except for one specific role, which in my opinion, AGMs are, you know, certain AGMs are doing a you know, a lot for the teams. And I think that the AGM pay is a question of, the, you know, of a, of a hard debate. But uh, when it comes to GM pay and uh, VSN pay, I don't think that as a VSN editor manager, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing the five times the work that I'm doing as a GM. No, I don't think so. I do have, I do have a lot more, uh, in a sense, time-locked stuff that I have to do. Which is another question why the page could be higher because uh you know i know that at certain times i just have to be there and have to review it because we have a uh, schedule for the post that we're going to post weekly and uh, i know that on certain times we i just have to be there i have to read the post i have to edit it you know i am this i'm, I'm basically time locked for it yeah i feel i feel the same like that gms are probably paid where they should be. I feel, obviously I haven't done it for as long as someone like you, but I feel like the 2TPE, it's pretty fair because by the time you do, most GMs you know, will do the press conference or get the AGM to do the press conference. Once you do that, that's an extra 2TPE right there. So you're almost getting paid for TPE for the job. Um, I agree what you mean about the time lock, though. I understand with you know, when you've got the VSN stuff that you got to get out each week. I feel like it's the same with um, GM. If you get that waiver player, 
you need to make sure you're on your computer that you know before the next sim as soon as possible making sure they get in the line so because I feel the worst part is you sign a new player and then they see sims come up and go have a look and oh why didn't I get any time you know why didn't I play I feel like that hurts people so I feel that's the hardest part for me as a GM is making sure I can jump on the computer and send in brand new lines every time you sign a new player. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And I've had, you know, I can say from my experience, I've had players who've been uh, quite saddened by the fact that, you know, uh, you know, they haven't been able to be assigned as, you know, the first thing that happened because, you know, especially when I, when I send them a contract, which is the, the, the tough part, you know, I send a contract at 1 a.m., Maybe the sim happens at like 6 a.m. for me. They accept it at 2 a.m. and they expect that they're going to be on the 6 a.m. Uh, you know, stuff. So it can be tough. It, it can be really tough. It, it, yeah. there, there, is, there are some things that uh, have to be checked upon and then see definitely. But yeah. Um, what's one thing you think every GM should know walking into the role? What do you think, if you had to give them one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, that's, that's an interesting one. Cause I've, you know, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to put this out very simply. I think that the most important thing for being a VHL GM is that, that you have to understand that uh, coming in here, the most important thing is a player that you have on your team. That, this is that the league is not as much about winning as about uh, making players feel comfortable about making players understand that the vhl is a goal they have to achieve because uh, i've always been i've always been a strong supporter of uh, saying that people should not aim for staying down that people should aim for going up i can say it from my experience you know i stayed down for a season because i I, I I thought that I, I wanted to win that Founders Cup with uh, Philadelphia. And I really liked it, but I probably would have enjoyed an extra season in VHL more. Yeah, so someone who's won both a Founders Cup and a Continental Cup, how do they compare? How, like, how do those two compare? Do you think one's a lot better than the other, or do you think they're about on par with each other? Well, you know, I can say this, that as a player, the Continental Cup was a lot more important. As a GM, I've had the pleasure of winning uh, Founder Cup as well. You know, I've had two Founder Cups, one as a player, one as a GM, and I can say that uh, winning a Founder's Cup as a GM probably was the most rewarding thing I've had on the side. Except winning the second Continental Cup. Because <laughs> that was, you know, that was, a, that was just cool. I'm going to say that. It just was cool. It was just cool. And uh, I truly believe that uh, I truly believe that uh, uh, Seattle was an amazing team, and I, you know, you know it very well. You know, I, I was, I, you know, and if many people might think that, oh yeah, you know, Bannett sold the team and sold me out, you know, because there was uh, cap issues. But to be fair, I was suggesting him to do it. You know, so that there is no questions about this. I, I was. I was saying that he should do it because the, because you know I knew that I'm older. I know that my my player has a higher contract and that I'm gonna be a burden for the team. So trading me was probably the best thing that you could that the Seattle could have done. And that's definitely, it's definitely that. And for me, it's it's always about uh, 
team success uh, rather than individual success. So I am, I've enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed winning the first Continental Cup, and then the second Continental Cup was probably the highlight uh, of of John Frostbeard's career now. So, yeah, yeah. I if anyone ever thinks that Banner just sold you off without you know, and you left kicking and screaming, I think that's as far from the truth. It was such a it was such an odd feeling. That first Continental Cup sort of... It almost came as a surprise because we swept in the finals. It's like no one was expecting us to win it. You know, sort of the underdogs. We came in and won it with quite a young team, and that was a great feeling. And then the second season when we had that higher expectations, we didn't live up to it in the regular season. And then making it all the way through the playoffs and getting to the, you know, the finals, and we're like, okay, we can do it now. You know, we've we've been here before. Let's go and do it. And then... Winning that again was such great, but it was very bittersweet. Then, you know, within a week, we were, um, you know, not even within a week, within a day, we were talking about, okay, you know, congratulations on winning the cup. We need to start selling people. Who do we sell? And it was such a, such a, you know, ups and downs, I guess, with winning the cup and then realizing that, you know, all these people that you've talked to day in, day out for a couple of months now, someone has to leave. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And you know, for me as a for me as a, a guy who was traded, I think it's a well, it, it definitely was an interesting experience because I can say that you know I've been I had the pleasure of being traded two times, uh, and actually three times if you count them because uh, the first season in them I was traded to UConn to play on a line with uh, uh, Triple H, which was a an interesting experience as well, but uh, the Thing is that you know being traded the first time felt uh, really weird, and uh, it felt like you know I, it, it, to me it felt like the uh, the Calgary made a big mistake. I, at the same time, I thought, well, this is a you know you shouldn't have done this because I know I knew that I could help them out on the my player could help them out on 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 you know playoff runs and things like that, and yet. I felt good by coming to Seattle with such a young and awesome roster. And now being traded the second time away from Seattle, it didn't feel weird. I just felt truly sad because I knew I, I knew that I won't have the chance, you know, to to talk to you and to talk to other players on the team as much as I had previously. You know, I'm still in a locker room, it's just that it doesn't doesn't have the same feel, you know. Yeah, and I think this season too, with the performance we've had so far, it is a very different feel. Um, the teams, you know, it has changed a fair bit since that first cup. So, yeah, it's sort of just learning everyone and learning all the different things. And, yeah, it was quite sad losing you and, you know, the talks before the trade of who was going to go most people put their hand up and said, you know, if you need to, I'll, you know, I'll take one for the team. And there was no one that it's like, you know, we didn't really have any votes behind the scenes where it's like, oh, we need to get rid of this person. It's, yeah, it was all just, we knew someone had to leave and it was a matter of who, you know, who it was. And it was quite sad that someone did have to leave. Definitely, definitely, yeah. But, you know, again, uh, you know, I'm, 
my player right now is on DC. DC is DC is doing interesting. And actually, again, you know, uh, DC is in a very similar situation when I got traded. You know, a young roster. A uh, you know they can have high expectations for this season if we start winning and if John Frostbeard actually starts doing something, uh, we might you know we might go into playoffs and who knows maybe you know I'm not not here to say anything you know but uh, uh, Baraka you know that uh, after trading John Frostbeard Seattle hasn't had the best time <laughs> so maybe it's it's possible that. Uh, John Frostbeard is the key to success. Maybe, maybe he was the good luck charm that we, you know, he might be come to the trade deadline and Banner's doing whatever he can to get you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that that'd be definitely interesting, but I don't think that's ever gonna happen. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely you know it, just uh, just thinking about it, you know, the, the time in Seattle has been was brilliant. You know, everybody's awesome. We had the little, we had a group basically of VHLM uh, GMs the, and AGMs. You know, we had, I think at one time we had uh, six or seven people from different sides of management, which was brilliant. It was, it, was, uh, it was fun to talk and it was fun to, you know, think about how the team is going to develop and wh- where, what were our strengths and what are our weaknesses. It's just uh, an awesome place to be in. Yeah, it was interesting too with Lions because how everyone had that different experiences being a AGM or a GM elsewhere, that everyone had different opinions on what the Lions should be. And yeah, it was interesting having those little discussions of, you know, what should we change? What should we keep? How are we going to win as many games as we can? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, again, I think that Seattle is going to turn it around this season. I think that uh, Seattle still has great potential to win. I just hope that uh, Seattle is not going to turn into Calgary. You know, Calgary had a good roster, and they just somehow didn't produce. But I have all the confidence in you for leading the team. So you'll do it, Baroka. I know it. You'll be you'll be the game changer. You'll be the Hopefully. game changer. Now, after last season, I need to do something this season. I've been uh. I put my name down as the winner of the most improved this season, so hopefully I can pull that through because after the rubbish season I had last one, hopefully something can change this season. You you have to. You just have to pray to cricket gods so they can help you in your <laughs> hockey journey. Yeah. Um, so, a uh, question I asked everyone, and I, everyone's answer has been a little bit different so far. So... Um, the VHLM, they're going to take one team out and they choose the Bulls, but they like you as a GM too much, so they're going to give you any team you want. Which team do you pick and why? So, I was actually preparing an answer for this, because I knew that this is going to come. And <laughs> uh, I couldn't prepare a decent answer, because I, you know, I have two teams that I really, really wanted to GM when I started thinking about it. And number one is, of course, you know, my first team in VHLM was Philadelphia. And I would really be glad to, at some point, have a chance to, you know, jam it. And it's, it's, a, it's a, just a thing, you know, for me. I, I really want to do it. Because I think that, because uh, I think that uh, I was, you know, a, a 
captain of the team when the when we won the first cup in season 66 and uh i think that we had great time there and um, you know i still have great fond memories of it and i think that i could uh, i could uh could be a good gm there but when it comes to other teams uh and this is gonna sound weird i think that uh, the best team to gm would be a team that uh, hasn't had that much luck lately that should be bringing back and i was i was thinking about it a lot and uh I would really be glad to take up something like uh, UConn Rush. Because I, I know that there are great teams, you know. Nobody can argue about the Mississauga's great locker room, you know. There are some great and truly interesting stories, you know, and legends about Halifax and, and, and you know, we know, you know, we know all the uh, Satanist cults around there are probably very happy about it. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, interesting options, but I would probably go for UConn. And the main reason is because uh, when my player played for UConn uh, in the first season, we went. Uh, we had a really tough time in playoffs, and I think that uh, I think that uh, uh, helping a team that was led by such an amazing guy as Josh would be would be a great thing to do. So, same question, but this time they give you any VHL team you want. Which which one do you pick, and why would that be? Oof, this is a big oof because I I haven't really thought about this much. You know, the first instinct, of course, for me as a Latvian would be go for Rigorain because uh, you know it just would it would feel right. You know, it feel right to be a GM of a Latvian team. And that said, I think that my option, my 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 first choice, definitely would be to go for, uh, and you know, again, this is not a really unique answer. Uh, I'd probably go for Seattle because <laughs> you know it is it is a team that has been the most fond memories for me, and uh, you know, I don't really, and I, I can say it fairly openly, you know, if somebody would have offered me Calgary, I'd gladly take up on that. I'd be the first guy in the line and say, yes, give it to me. Because I think that uh, Calgary and, and same as few other teams, they have the potential to be great and return to the greatness that they've been in the league. Because Calgary has been one of the truly highly decorated teams. I think that they have all the tools to win. It's just that uh, I think that either the mentality on the team or, or something has not been there. And uh, I think that uh, I, I could change that. but. Uh, Definitely, that would be my first two choices. Would be the Seattle or Riga. So, I I'm interested to hear your answer because asking everyone else, mainly being North Americans, but um, there's going to be another expansion. So there's going to be another American and uh, or North American and a European team. Where would you place both of them? So. North American, I think that we we are really lacking Florida team, really lacking Florida team, and people who are saying that uh, you know that the that the Florida is not a hockey state, they can go and do whatever they want to. All right, <laughs> not gonna not gonna uh, not gonna go on uh, on on trying to insult anybody, but I think that uh, I think that it's not an argument. I think that we have to put a team that would have a beautiful logo. And I've always thought about having a 
a a you know a pirate related uh, uh, hockey team would be awesome to have from Florida. It'd be awesome. I think that that's a perfect place for that. As we've you know we've, te- we've teams all across the North America, but not not there yet. And when it comes to and this is actually interesting when it comes to uh, Europe, I think that. Uh, I think that it would be really cool to have a French hockey team. I don't know why, but I've always thought that would be a cool idea. You know, yeah. uh, it would be just, you know, I think that I think at that time, uh, SO and McWolf both would just uh, melt knowing that they could, uh, they could uh, write, you know, announcements in French and just go with it. I feel like um, SO would change from New York and go pick up that new team if, if there was a French one to come out. Definitely, definitely, yeah. But as I, yeah, as I said, I, I think that it'd be cool because uh, uh, you know I don't I don't think we need a really really a German team. We had one I think at some point, and it doesn't really make me you know get excited about it. I don't think that we need any more northern European teams because we have already Riga, we have already uh, we already have the. Helsinki and Malmo, so we don't have to worry about that. So let's go into France and make some 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 beautiful baguettes and work on it. <laughs> I always like the idea of going as well, you know, going south, going close to the equator, somewhere that never gets snow. I just I like having an ice hockey team that, you know, it'd probably be impractical to have in real life. I know you got Vegas and stuff like that in real life, but having place for it doesn't snow and it's nice and hot all the time like barcelona i think would be a pretty cool um european team and stuff like that just oh definitely yeah definitely now to think about it oh yeah that would be a great idea you know because you know again it would be i think it would be an interesting idea how to how to uh put out you know banners for the team and how to work the marketing side of it because it would be really cool i think if you if you have imagination, you could make the team be brilliant. Because you know it's not hard to make a make a team work. For example, calling it you know uh, I I don't know Manitoba Ice Hawks or whatever. You know it's not going to be hard to do it. But uh, making a team you know in, a, in an area that's definitely not a uh, hockey uh, uh, you know hockey country and a hockey city would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and somewhere that you can sort of then write, you you know, you've got article ideas where it's like you know, Barcelona being a huge soccer place um, and trying to change the fans from soccer to ice hockey and that sort of thing. Like, I think that'd be really cool article ideas and you'd see some really cool articles out of people with that sort of thinking. Yep. It's, yeah, that would be brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so another question I've asked everyone, um, it's just because I'm Australian, but would you ever come visit Australia if you haven't already? I would, yes. As you know, I've talked to you and you know that I have some family members living there in, uh, in Melbourne and, uh, I definitely, I definitely go. I haven't been, uh, you know, I haven't been to Australia. I haven't actually been outside of Europe. So that's, that's another question. But uh, yeah, I I definitely I definitely go and 
You know, I'm not I'm not afraid of uh, any insects. I'm not afraid of snakes. <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid of anything that can. Well, I'd probably be afraid of a huge spider trying to kill me, but that's another thing. You know. Uh, that said, I'm not as I said, I'm not really afraid of those things. So I should be fine. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's it's a beautiful country, and it's sad to see that. Uh, that uh, there are these uh, wildfires everywhere. It's, it's quite, uh, yeah. So at least, uh, at least as I understand, they have uh, at least a, in the majority stopped. So yeah. yeah, it's definitely improved a lot from where it was around, you know, just before Christmas, around Christmas time. Um, also, good work on saying Melbourne. Most people, uh, mainly North Americans, overpronounce it. They usually say Melbourne, and uh, yeah. So good work with that one. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. You know, I didn't practice it, but I, I tend to. I tend to at least try to learn how to say the uh, say the names of the cities. So, yeah. um, so being in a locker room with me for a couple of seasons, was there any slang I said that you, or anything I ever said that you didn't really get what I was saying and just sort of went along with it? To to be fair, I don't remember. I don't recall anything that I would really be having, you know, issues with. So I'm not sure about it. Um, maybe you know, maybe I've. Uh, I just I just can't really remember. So um, I don't, you know, I. And to be fair, you know, I, you know, if you wouldn't have told me that you're from Australia, I wouldn't really think that you are from Australia. So, yeah. And um. Because I've only asked people from North America, do I have a strong, like a thick accent? Most people have said, I've heard some people say I've got a really thick accent. Some people say I don't have much of an accent at all. Where do you think I, like, I lie on the scale there? Well, you know, what I'm going to do the, I'm going to basically put out the answer that I usually tell to people that are foreigners for me. Because, uh, you know, I'm, you know I, I think it's a fairly well stated already. But I'm Latvian. You know? I'm from Latvia and I've, Born and you know raised here and everything like that. And I've had the plenty of chances to talk to people across, uh, you know, all around the world. I've had, uh, I've had, uh, you know, conferences that I attend to in other countries, and uh, and I've gotten fairly used to hearing accents. So to distinguish whether you have a thick one or not a thick one would be a uh, would be really tough for me. I'd say that. You know, for me, you know, there's there hasn't been a situation where uh, I've had to rethink what you've said. So that's a bonus for you. That's a good thing, yeah. That's a, that's a good thing, you know. <laughs> I don't have to ask you again to repeat something, so that's fine. Uh, so I'm going to put it this way. You know, in my eyes, you have a, you, you have a, you know, a, a small accent, nothing, you know, major. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a three uh, on a scale to ten. So please. <laughs> Yeah, I try and make sure that what I say can be understand, but it's it's hard knowing what is and isn't slang because obviously you, you know, around here you use it every day and everyone else knows it, so you just consider it normal language. And it's until you say something and they're like, "What what do you mean by that?" You've got to sort of explain what you actually meant. Um, yeah, it's happened a couple of times where I say something and it's pretty. I think it's obvious what I mean, and they come back saying. No, I have no clue what you meant. Can you just say that in actual English, please? So. 
Yeah, that's 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 interesting. As I said, you know, I've never had a situation where I have to uh, really, you know, ask a person again to explain something. I don't know. Maybe I've maybe I've just had a, a decent experience with uh, with foreign accents. But uh, even you know, even as far as uh, you know, I went to I, w- I went to Edinburgh for uh, oh, I think it was uh, you know in two in two thousand seventeen I went for uh, two weeks there for a conference and was uh it was definitely interesting i'm gonna put it that way you know <laughs> but uh you know I'm sure it would be yeah uh, for like for the first uh for the first day or two it was tough uh because i you know you weren't i wasn't expecting the the accents to be so thick but then you know you get into the groove you start to understand things and it just happens after that so effortlessly so that you just uh you just go with it and you understand things and i i don't know maybe Maybe I was just lucky. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to ask or anything you want to say? Um, I've got to really the end of all my questions. Is there anything you wanted to ask or bring up or talk about? Well, to be fair, you know, I think that uh, I think that we've covered a lot of things. And again, you know, I, I believe that uh, I believe that uh, the stuff that. Um, you are putting out right now and you've done is just brilliant you know I, I can't emphasize that enough so yeah so huge thanks to you as a community member and one last thing i actually wanted to ask you is that um i think you've i think you've talked uh you know with, uh, with, with quite an interesting group of characters here but uh, if there would be one person on a site on our forums that you would really want to interview and have a you know, as controversial interview as possible, which would be the person you would go for? As far as person I want to interview the most, um, not being controversial, just person, he's actually coming up. I really want to talk to Gustav. I've worked with, you know, he, um, on waivers as soon as I started, he was the first one to offer me, I signed with him, and, you know, I've talked to him you know, almost every day since then. So it'd be nice to, I've never actually spoken to him. So that's probably the interview I'm looking forward to most. I feel like um, that'll be really enjoyable. Oh, that's um, cool. As for most controversial, I don't know. I feel like doing a podcast with Banner and DA would be sort of cool to see what, you know, the behind the scenes of the VHLM's like. Um, that would be a cool little podcast, I think. So... Yeah, um, I'm happy to do a podcast with anyone. I started this off as the doing the VHLM GMs. Um, it's expanded a little bit already. Uh, we've got Nico, Nico, however he pronounces it, coming up soon. Obviously, he's a previous GM. Um, Josh, also previous GM, he wants to have an interview. And um, Dr. Funk, who's my AGM. So, yeah, I want to want to interview more people and have a bit more conversation style ones so um as long as people keep listening to it i'll keep doing it because for me it's like i've never done three media spots in a week but this time i've done you know three podcasts in a week and all the podcasts have been multi-week claim podcasts like i have nine weeks worth of claims i think sitting there which I i won't ever touch so yeah well, all I can say is that, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the people that you would want to interview, the, you know, the list that I've seen is, is, is 
quite lovely. I I can't you know can't say this uh, you know much more, but this is uh, it's a great thing to see. And uh, you know, if you ever want to return and talk about anything other at any point, I'd be very glad to join in and and, and do it. So that's uh, yeah. Um, is there anyone but, you'd want me to interview? Oof, that's an interesting one. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna put it this way. I definitely think that it would be interesting to see the perspective of, uh, and and you know again I I do think that uh, we've been uh, we've been somewhat uh, unjust to certain people in the league. So firstly, I think that uh, I think that it'd be interesting to hear thoughts of Sean after everything that has happened, and uh, I do believe that. Uh, you know, many people have been unjust to him. Uh, all that said, you know, I would still, I, I still stand by my idea that uh, the job should go to people who can do them, rather than be there, you know, uh, as a placeholder. So, yeah. But I think that would be an interesting person to interview. But the most, uh, the the the, the most interesting interview would be to a. Uh, to a person who's been on a site for a very long time and could uh, could talk about uh, the the itself and the league history and how the league has changed, and I think that it would be probably my the, the interview that I'd be listening and would be waiting uh, for most would be the one with uh, uh, Beketov. So that's that's that. Okay, so if Sean or Beck, if you're listening to it and you, you want a podcast. Send me a message or send Frostbeard a message and we'll see if we can get something organized. <laughs> I think if we did something yeah. that big though, that would have to be under VSN. I think you'd you'd want to broadcast that. I think that would go quite big on the site. Well, then you know you you, you don't you you know, you never know. Maybe maybe we can have a <laughs> guest podcaster for us that uh, that does special interviews with uh, with interesting people around yeah. the league. So who knows, Baraka, maybe you Maybe you're onto something. Yeah? You, you never know. Maybe the <laughs> um, AOSN can be a subsidiary of VSN. Definitely. Or we can, or we can, or we can try to, or we try to blend you to go just, just completely drop it and come to VSN Radio <laughs> and be a VSN Radio. You know, that's 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 a thing we have yeah. to discuss, all right. And I don't think it's right to discuss <laughs> now because I'm gonna say something that I don't want to say on a recording. And then you're just gonna, yeah. you know, point your finger at me and say, "You gotta, you said that." So this is it. This is this can, is the law. So I can't wait it. till Banner sends you messages for the first part where you're being all nice to him, and then sends you different messages after he says, "Why are you offering people jobs without talking to me?" <laughs> no, no. It's actually, you know, talking about that is actually it's actually a lot to it's all different. You know, when we when I, when we do hiring posts and everything like that, Banner just. Uh, Banner has been extremely uh, supportive in a sense that he, he, you know, just says, "All right, you do you," you know, and then I basically bring him the two or three top contenders or four top contenders that I think that are good for the job, and and then he basically says his thoughts, and then you know we decide on them. And I use, I tend to, you know, we have we tend to have usually healthy conversations. But I've never had a uh, a discussion where it would go sour with Banna. I think that people who do that are just uh, trying to be unreasonable with him. So, uh, but uh, then again, you know, I don't know all the details. So, uh, yeah, I've always had the pleasure doing with uh, 
doing it with him. So yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, one question I did forget, which I've enjoyed everyone's answers so far. Um, you have to be a roommate with one member of the VHL. Who do you, who would you pick and why? So you can completely remove location out of this. I know, obviously, for yourself, you know, if you had to pick up and move to North America right now, it would probably be a bit tough. But uh, you have to grab yeah, one member to be roommates with. Who would it be? You know what? I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna put top three, all right, and then I'm gonna say why the number one is the one I'm gonna go. That's it's gonna be the most. Uh, they're gonna be the easiest one to win. So the top three definitely includes three people that I've really enjoyed, uh, uh, you know, talking to and, and working to. So the number one would definitely be Elmer Beck. He's probably the one of the coolest people I know on the site. He's been, uh, you know, he's been a, a proud jewel of Houston Bulls uh, since I've been GM. He's an he's an active. He's a GM now, and uh, he grew up on the on Houston Bulls system, and I'm very very proud of that. Uh, so he'd be definitely one. Plus, we have a lot of similar interests in in a sense that, uh, yeah, in a sense that uh, you know, he plays guitar, I play guitar. We have a similar thoughts on, on uh, on on a lot of issues. Plus, uh, yeah, you know, it, it'd probably be easier because he's in Sweden. But that, if you take the location out, then the other one comes. Uh, Mike Wolf is an awesome guy. I'd probably have no issues with him uh, being my roommate. He's you know. We we talk a lot, we chat a lot. We we just have a uh, at least a, I think so. We have a similar view on a lot of things. It would be great. And then this is gonna be the interesting one, you know. I'm gonna go with you, Barack. This this Choice might so. this <laughs> might sound interesting because you know we might you know you you could say well we haven't talked that much right we haven't had that uh, you know many private conversations and things like that. But the reason is. Because I think uh, I think that we have the same uh, have a similar working mentality that uh, you know we do things because we like them to we, we like to do them we do things because uh, uh, you know it's just uh, it's just interesting for us and uh, I think that you are a, a you know a fairly laid back person that I'd be I'd be very happy to 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 you know to exist in the same space with so that's that. Yeah, I'm sure if you ask my uh, fiance, I might be too laid back with some of the jobs around the house, but you know, I think it'd be oh, an yeah. enjoyable time. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm. It's it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's fine. Don't worry. It's it's. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna jump in a plane and go like, oh, you said yes, come <laughs> on. You know, I'm not gonna do that. Um, so yeah. No, I think I I agree with your um choices as well, Mick Wolf. I had. I've talked to him a fair bit. It's always been uh, enjoyable chatting to him, and also with um, Elm Elmerbeck. Um, he's been a big help with try me trying to set up a cricket sim, which is uh, going a bit slow at the moment. I'm running out of time to do both podcasts and the cricket sim. So, but no, he's always been a big help. I've had a few chats with him as well, where he'll you know stay up late watching me sim cricket games on. Twitch and stuff like that. So no, I think all your choices were good ones. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. Can't agree more. That uh, Elm is, you know, Elm is, is a great guy. As I said, he's a great guy. So, do you have any final questions? Anything you'd like to bring up? 
I do believe that we talked about uh, most things that uh, really, really were the ones that uh, I think makes the most sense to talk about right now. And I, I, I do, as I said, I do like to thank you again. You know, I've done it like three or four times now, but you know, yeah, the work you put in is awesome, and you know, this is exactly what this league should be. You know, have. Uh, people who want to contribute and are contributing so that uh, all of our time here is uh, a bit more enjoyable. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to thank you with everything you've done with VSN. I think it's a big part of the league, and I think especially for new members, if you see something with the VSN logo on it, you feel like it's going to be a good article and it's a good place for people to read and sort of new members to sort of understand what media spots can look like. I wouldn't say should look like. You know, there's always different things anyone can do but i feel like it's a good template that people can look at and sort of aim towards and yeah i feel like yeah. you've done a great job with it all and making sure that each article is that top quality well thank you thank you it's uh you know that's that's why we try it we assign and uh, that's why you know i think that uh you know, I think that our coverage for most things has been has been decent, at least. And uh, you know, it's you know, my my most important thing is that we can't uh, uh, lay off and be uh, you know and and start to uh, become you know a bit lazy with our content. We have to stay on the level that we are, and I think that with the crew that we have, we're gonna do it. And the same way, you know, I think that the VHLM GMs and VHL GMs now. Uh, everybody is there to be the best possible GM and best possible uh, person to to help you out. And uh, I actually want to say to everybody, if there's any new players listening, then remember that. And uh, remember that uh, you know, no matter on which team you are, you can ask anybody for help, and uh, people will help you. So that's the most important part. Yeah, um, I know the Hounds Discord is very much like that we have a lot of other um, AGMs from around the site and if anyone posts a question it's not strange to see a different GM or AGM jump in and answer the question so it's always good to have people like that where you know, everyone's happy to help everyone and that's where you, the community grows and you know, it makes the site better and better exactly well thank you for joining me it's been a great chat um, would happily do this again anytime. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining me. I hope everyone enjoyed. Um, make sure you check out everything VSN posts because it's always great quality content. Thank you. Well, we will see you next time when we talk to... I actually don't know who's next. I think it's Nyko. It is. So everyone prepare for that one.